0: Hello, and welcome to the Luxembourg History Podcast, brought to you by RTL Today. My name's Tom Tutton, and I'm your host for our first series. Today, we're following on from our previous episode on Luxembourg during the First World War, and focusing on the abdication crisis of 1918 to 1919. We'll look at how Mary Adelaide became the first Grand Duchess of Luxembourg, how she fared during the war, and how she was ultimately forced to give up her throne to her sister Charlotte. We hope you'll enjoy the podcast. So we'll begin by trying to understand how Mary Adelaide even ended up on the Luxembourgish throne. As you might remember from our very first episode, the final stage of Luxembourg's independence was the ending of the personal union with the Kingdom of the Netherlands. When William III, Grand Duke of Luxembourg and King of the Netherlands, died in 1890, his daughter Wilhelmina succeeded him in the Netherlands. She was not allowed to succeed him in Luxembourg, however, as the Grand Duchy at that time was governed by Salic law, which basically forbade women from being crowned. Luxembourg therefore passed to William III's next male heir, his 17th cousin once removed, Adolf, who had been Duke of Nassau until that duchy was absorbed into Prussia in 1866. Adolf was 73 when he became Grand Duke, and he was not a particularly active monarch, setting a trend of non-interference with political affairs. He was succeeded by his son William IV in 1905. William was a conscientious Grand Duke. Although he was raised a Protestant, he married a Portuguese princess so that his heirs would grow up as Catholics like the majority of the Luxembourgish population. But with William's accession to the throne, Luxembourg once again faced a dynastic crisis just 15 years after the last one. William and his wife Maria Anna had six children, all of them daughters. And under Salic law, they could not succeed their father unless there was no male heir. And William did have an heir, his cousin George. The problem was that William did not consider him eligible as his successor because George's father had married morganatically, that is to say below his rank. In other words, William considered George a commoner, and it would be better to be replaced by a woman than a commoner. In 1907, William managed to persuade the Luxembourgish Chamber of Deputies to declare George ineligible for the throne, and his heir thus became his eldest daughter none other than Mary Adelaide, and her reign would be as controversial as the manoeuvrings that got her onto the throne. Ironically though, things actually started pretty well for Mary Adelaide when she succeeded her father in 1912 at the tender age of 18. Incredibly, she was the first monarch to be born on Luxembourgish territory since John the Blind, that's the Count who invented the Schuberfauer, back in 1296. It seemed like her reign could be the beginning of a new era in Luxembourg, given Mary Adelaide's young age, her roots in the country and her status as the first reigning Grand Duchess. This optimism surrounding Mary Adelaide can be seen in a speech given by the President of the Chamber of Deputies, Auguste Laval, upon her inauguration. The speech began Gentlemen, consider the following as a happy omen for the future of our country. The circumstance that Grand Duchess Mary Adelaide is the first of our sovereigns to be born on Grand Ducal territory, the first to be raised here, and the first to have breathed from a tender age the air of her native soil and learnt the ideas, the aspirations, and the traditions of the people she has been called upon to reign over. And it wasn't just the Luxembourgers who were enthralled by Mary Adelaide. A travel writer called George Renwick, who visited the country in 1913, described Luxembourg as a little Ruritania, with a charming young queen all its own. But this idyllic view of the new Grand Duchess masked some real issues that would soon become obvious. Mary Adelaide was far more interested in politics than her father or her grandfather had been, perhaps reflecting the fact that she was the first Luxembourgish-born sovereign. But this wasn't necessarily a good thing. She quickly courted controversy by refusing to sign a new school law, on the grounds that it limited the reach of Catholic priests and the education system in contravention of her Catholic faith. She did relent eventually, but a warning shot had been fired. And two events in the mid-1910s would completely change the situation for the hitherto relatively popular Grand Duchess. The first issue, as we covered last week, was the outbreak of the First World War. Despite the Luxembourgish government's protests, the Germans occupied Luxembourg on August 2nd 1914, and the Luxembourgish people, as we heard last week, were not happy about the disruption to their daily lives caused by the German invasion. They were therefore furious when the Grand Duchess held a formal reception for Kaiser Wilhelm in August 1914, as it seemed she was sympathising with the enemy. Now, to be fair to Mary Adelaide, it was an extremely difficult situation to be in. Luxembourg was in a peculiar position. It remained officially neutral and retained its own government, but it had been occupied, and it was clear that any provocations could result in the Germans deciding to absorb the Grand Duchy into their empire. For that reason, historian Gilbert Trausch has argued that the Grand Duchess had no option but to host the reception for the Kaiser. The second big problem for Mary Adelaide was the death of her Prime Minister, Paul Eichen, in 1915. Aysen had been in power since 1888, a total of 27 years, and he was seen as a force for stability around which the whole political system was anchored. The early 1900s had seen a rise of partisanship in the chamber of deputies, with the socialists and liberals uniting into the left bloc and the right wing coalescing as the rather excitingly named Party of the Right. Aysen belonged to neither of the main political factions, but commanded enough respect to govern, and he was expected to guide the country through the tumults of the German occupation. On top of that, he had also managed to keep some of young Mary Adelaide's more politically controversial instincts in check. His death in October 1915 therefore brought about a political crisis in the Grand Duchy. Mary Adelaide initially invited Matthias Mongenast, the politically independent minister of finance and a protégé of Paul Aysen, to succeed him. Only 25 days later, however, the new PM resigned as Mary Adelaide had refused to accept his nominee for an important educational post. The Grand Duchess then turned to the party of the right for her next government, against the wishes of the Chamber of Deputies, which had a leftist majority. When the Chamber passed the vote of no confidence in the new rightist government, instead of calling on the left bloc to form its own administration, Mary Adelaide dissolved the Chamber and called for new elections. For the socialists and liberals, this was nothing more than a coup d'etat, although it was technically within her powers under the constitution. Either way, in the elections of 1916, the party of the right did not win a majority and a new government of national unity was formed under the liberal Victor Thorne. Things were not going well for Mary Adelaide. In just two years, her popularity had taken a dive, as she was considered an authoritarian and pro-German ruler. Some of this was probably unfair, but Mary Adelaide did not exactly help herself either. In 1916, she decided to attend the funeral of her grandmother, Adelheid Marie of Anhalt Dessau, the widow of Grand Duke Adolf, in Germany. This probably only reinforced the view of her as a German princess. Indeed, she was apparently known as l'Allemande, or the German. And back in Luxembourg, tensions were brewing even further. The constant food shortages rendered life extremely difficult for the population, and in 1917 a miners' strike in sur alzette had been brutally repressed by German troops, bringing down the government of national unity. The new rightist government under Leon Kaufmann soon became embroiled in a debate over whether the constitution of Luxembourg should be changed to grant sovereignty to the nation rather than to the Grand Ducal family, a thorny problem which quickly became acrimonious due to the unpopularity of Mary Adelaide. And her close links to the Germans became even less attractive as it became clear that Germany would lose the war, with its armies in full retreat by the summer of 1918. Then, at just about the worst possible time for Mary Adelaide, her sister Antonia became engaged to Ruprecht, the crown prince of Bavaria, and a field marshal of the German army on the Western Front. Matters came to a head in the winter of 1918-1919. On November 10th, just a day before the armistice ending the First World War, communists in Luxembourg City followed the example of Karl Liebknecht and Rosa Luxemburg in Berlin by declaring a republic in the capital, which was quickly quashed. The next day, a similar uprising took place in Esch-sur-Alzette, and although it was equally unsuccessful, it caused a crisis of confidence in the Chamber of Deputies. On November 12th, the socialists and liberals in the Chamber introduced a motion calling for Mary Adelaide's abdication and were only narrowly defeated by 21 votes to 19, and the Grand Duchess was no more popular abroad. The Allied governments considered Mary Adelaide a collaborator and the French announced they did not consider it possible to have contact or negotiations with her governments as they were considered to be gravely compromised. With the peace settlement soon to be held in Versailles, having such a tainted figure as the monarch was a real threat to Luxembourg's independence. On January 9th, 1919, a company of Luxembourgish soldiers rebelled, declaring themselves the army of a new Luxembourgish republic. The rebellion was eventually put down with the help of French troops, but the damage to Mary Adelaide was terminal. On January 14th, she abdicated in favour of her sister Charlotte. In a letter, she wrote that, in the fulfilment of my duties, I have always been animated by love for my country and by the desire to further its material and spiritual welfare. I wish to spare the Luxembourg people any difficulties which might hinder the government in the adjustment of the economic future of the country with the neighbouring nations. May the Luxembourg people, with the aid of divine providence, advance towards a future of peace and prosperity. May they retain inviolate their national traditions and the immeasurable treasure of their independence. But even Mary Adelaide's abdication was not enough to fully quell political and social unrest in the Grand Duchy, and the government resolved to hold a referendum on the country's political and economic future. The referendum was eventually held on September 28, 1919, and 91,000 Luxembourgers rejected the opportunity to form a republic, with 80% voting in favour of Charlotte as Grand Duchess. As for Mary Adelaide, her life did not get much better after her abdication. Always strongly religious, she chose to enter a convent in Italy where she apparently sought to take the name Sister Mary of the Poor, but she was forced to leave due to her ill health. She passed away of influenza in 1924, aged only 29. And sadly enough, her last days were spent in Germany, the country which had caused her so much woe during her reign. And so ended the life of Mary Adelaide, the first Grand Duchess of Luxembourg. That's all we've got for today. Thank you for listening, and I hope you'll join us for the next episode of the Luxembourg History Podcast. This episode was based on articles by Natalie Lodi, hosting and script adaptation by Tom Tutton, and production by Martin Johnson. Brought to you by RTL Today.